0: My psalm this week is Psalm 133, and interestingly, it is on unity. I, I don't, I would not cheapen the morrow's grief or yours by using it as a sermon illustration, and I don't mean to do that. But what you feel right now is the true unity of the church. When one hurts, We all do. This is God's gift to us. The unity of the church. That we all together grieve together. When joy comes to one, it comes to all. When sorrow comes to one, it comes to all. And that's the gift of church. This is the opening line of the psalm. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. That's true, isn't it? I mean, even right now, there is a, a, a wonder to the love that we feel even as we're together in pain. But at least we're together, right? You know, we're together in compassion. When you hurt, it's good to know that there is somebody else with you. Someone else who, even if they can do nothing for you but sit down beside you, it's good to have that other with you. When you rejoice, it's good. Life is meant to be lived together, isn't it? It is your created purpose. You know that? When God was creating the world, the the very first He said over and over again, that's good, that's good, that's good. And he's patting himself on the back. I did a good job. And I'm, pl- I'm pleased with this. Well done, God. You know, and then, uh, and and I, I expect the father is complimenting the son and all of that. Oh, that's really good! Look at that, you know, and we're, and the son complimenting the father. Good job, well done. Do you remember the one thing he said? Now, this is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. Why not? Well, we're meant to bear the image of God, and you can't do that by yourself. You just can't. You can't. You know, because God is more than a rational being. He's a loving being. And love requires both a lover and a loved. It requires both actor and object. And so in order to bear the image of God, you've got to have another person. You've got to have that other in order to love. And so God says it's not good for people to be alone. And and when we love one another, when we live in friendship you know, when we live together in compassion, isn't it great? And even things can all be wrong in the world, but at least this is right. Right? We can walk together through life and face so much when you've got that person who cares about you who know, and you know they care about you. You matter to them. And you're not just object. But friend. How good and pleasant It is. People live together in unity. This is what you were created to be. And you know, most of God's creation, when it's being what it's created to be, you don't have to say how good and pleasant it is when this is like that. Like for instance, how good and pleasant it is when water is wet. That's dumb. Nobody says that. Why? Because water is always wet. I mean, even when it's ice, touch it. It's wet. Stick your hand into steam, and on your way to the ER, you will note that your hand is wet. You know, the water, it's its property. It's its nature. Why? Because it was created that way. You were created this way. And yet, for most of the time, humanity struggles to be what it's meant to be. I think in some ways, we are the only thing in all of creation. That wrestles against our nature so very much. You know, did you know that the churches of Christ are a unity movement? Did you know that? In fact, the restoration movement, of which we are one branch, is a unity movement. The restoration movement churches include the churches of Christ, the Christian church, and the disciples of Christ. We're a unity movement. That's why there's three of us. (laughs) And in fact, I can't tell you much about the other two branches of the tree, but I can tell you a bit about ours. Do you realize that there are dozens of different flavors of churches of Christ? You know, I mean, we aren't one branch of the, we are one forking branch of the tree of the unity movement. You know, from the international churches of Christ to the non-institutional churches of Christ to the mutual edification churches of Christ that don't hire preachers because they just rotate through the dudes preaching to the one cup church of Christ to the non-Sunday school church of Christ to the non-kitchen in the building church of Christ to the... Good grief! Why is this so hard? If God has called us to love and care for one another, and folks, when crisis comes, we know that's what we're for. Right? And why is it so hard? If He meant for us to be this way, how do we get from where we are in this bitter, broken existence to where we are meant to be in love and harmony? And folks, it's good. It's worth getting there, isn't it? When we are there, it feels good. And when we aren't there, it feels wretched. Be in disharmony with somebody. Be without unity with somebody else. And you're miserable, aren't you? How do we get from here to there? Well, you know, the goal of our fellowship has been to find some unity based on doctrine. That's been the goal of it. And honestly, right now, we have so much... So much bad history because of that, that people are there are people giving up on that. Did you know that? Just think whatever you want, be whatever you want, and you have your private belief, and I'll have my private belief, and it'll be all right. You know, and and you can just coast along and and just totally disagree with each other, and that's fine. There are fellowships that do that. Do Do you know about the Unitarian Universalist Church? You know? Come to the church and, and be whatever you want, use whatever book you want, whatever. There's Except the problem is that the, the different religions that end up worshiping together in that building, if they're really lived, they all have exclusive truth claims. All of them do. Islam does, Christianity does, Judaism does. They all got exclusive truth claims. And the problem with the hey, be whatever you want, the problem is, is that it keeps you from really interacting. Because the center of who I am is my faith. Do I have a more me part of me that I could possibly share with you? And if I'm just going to ignore that and try to find unity outside of that, that's not going to work, is it? You know what what you end up with when you do? No boundaries is that you don't live in reality. And when you don't engage with reality, there's no realignment of your life together. And if your lives don't realign into the same direction... How are you really brought together? There's got to be something common holding us together. But our approach, I think the more disastrous one, is to confuse unity with uniformity. Unity and uniformity are not the same thing. You know, if I went through a list of ideas and beliefs that we have in church and ran through some that weren't, say, at the center of the gospel. I suspect in this room we'd all agree that Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God. I don't think we'd have a lot of of diversity in that opinion. That He was truly born of a virgin, that He was resurrected from the dead on on the third day. I mean, we're going to all agree to these things, right? Okay, but say something like, where is heaven? Is it some other place, or is it right here? Well, you'll have some people, folks who will go, what? That's that's a discussion point? And then you'll have so, folks who will say, well, if you're a Christian, then you believe this. And then you'll have other folks who say, well, if you're a Christian, then you believe this. Folks, that doesn't have anything to do with the core of the gospel. You know, that, go ahead and honestly, there are biblical, I can give you biblical reasons for both perspectives. And there are people who are really convicted by both perspectives but I know folks who will drive you out of church if you disagree drive you right out I grew up as a kid hearing you ought to think for yourself and you ought to come to the same conclusions the rest of us have how's that work You know what ends up happening is that this goal of uniformity, the loudest voice shouts down the rest of us, but the diversity of belief just goes underground. You get a black market of different beliefs, and since we are told we're all supposed to believe the same thing, our unity becomes false, and I wonder why it is the church of Christ keeps splintering apart more and more. We've put our foundation for unity on the wrong rock. The truth is uniformity is not unity. Not the unity God calls us to. Because it's just not possible. Doesn't exist in this room. Yeah. And I'll I'll dance on third rails. What's the role of women in the church? Oh, I just got really quiet and giggly in here. Uh huh. We don't have uniformity of ideas. We don't. So, how do we find our way to unity? Well, let me just point something out to you. What did you just spend before I got up here? What were you doing? Here's a hint there's a picture of a sculpture, and those things are. You were singing in unison? No, you were not. We are actually quite proud of the fact that we sing four part harmony in Churches of Christ. I think we ought to be. I love a cappella music. I really do. We sing four part harmony, but we all sing the same song. You know, I've been a part of a of a choir that sometimes would break the uh the the different sections, the tenor section, into two or even three or four parts. If you've never heard 16-part harmony, man, you haven't lived. That's beautiful. But we aren't all singing the same thing. But we are all together. I think one of the reasons God calls us to sing together is because there's no way, if you have a man singing and a woman singing I mean, unless he's a super low alto and he's a very high tenor. Sonny and Cher, maybe. They sing the same note. But the rest of men and women always sing about an octave apart. It's our design nature. But we sing the same song. And that's unity. Because unity is not found in the unison of thought. It's found in the harmony of love. it's found in the harmony of love and especially at any point of discord because it's okay in music if you know this it's actually good to send the moment into a point of tension where the two sounds don't sound good together so that they can come together into it. am i right jamie writes music that tension actually builds the relief and the beauty and it makes for a better song if it's in there. That difference between us makes our love all the more beautiful. And when we bear with one another, and I'll tell you, it takes that. If you're going to have unity, you've got to be prepared for someone to be a jerk. There are going to be times when we're bad to each other. I've been chewed out by the best Christians. <laughs> I mean, I, I, have you ever been mistreated? And yet, can you still live in unity with that person? Better believe it. Because it's the act of God. But I tell you what, this is hard. And if we're going to do it, we have never before in this whole thing ever needed this fire like we do here. Remember, we are in the Psalms of Ascent. We are headed into Jerusalem, walking into the presence of God. And this prayer celebrates what will happen to us if we live in the presence of God together. And so we gather together with Israel around their campfire to pray their prayer, to sing their song. We need to pray this one. Let's, uh, let's pray this together. If it says reader, it's me. If it says congregation, it's all of you. If it says men and women, you, you can figure that out. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Behold, how good and pleasant it is. It is like precious oil on the head running down on the beard. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls in the mountains of Zion. Life forevermore. You know, before I move on, I actually meant to comment on that and I don't have a slide for it and I don't want to forget it. So I'll do it here at the beginning of the psalm instead of at the end like I intended to. But do you realize that what we're praying about is what we will enter into someday? If you're headed for heaven, this is what that's like. And when people live together loving one another despite the fact that we are all the different parts of the body. We're not all an eye or all in hand. That would be a monstrosity. We are all very different. And when we live together in love, that's a glimpse of heaven. When people love one another especially despite difference. That's heaven come to earth. This is life forevermore. You do nothing more to prepare for your eternity than when you prepare by loving your enemy and loving your brother, especially when it's the same person. When we love one another, we are getting ready for the life that is after this life, and it is the blessing of God. God wants this. It's what He made us for. And it's what we're headed toward. And so we practice it here and now. But this is, uh, this is spoken just as you are arriving in Jerusalem. This song is sung probably just outside the gates. You've been traveling this way, this whole way to get into the city. And now we are here celebrating what it is that the Lord is leading us into. This harmonious, Beautiful Jerusalem. Well, if you know Jerusalem, it was never that. Do you remember that Jesus wept over it? There's a reason He wept over that city. It killed the prophets. It was a mess. And God so wanted to gather them together. We aren't singing about that Jerusalem. We're singing about the new one. The time when we live entirely in unity together. And it's coming. But it's important as we read this text to remember what sort of text are we reading Throughout the Psalms of Ascent, it's been important to realize that these were prayers, but it's probably never been more important than right now because it is so essential to realize this is not law and commandment. It is request. The Bible is filled with commandments to love one another. It really is. There's a ton. This is not one of them. It is a prayer. And if we are going to have a prayer of keeping all those unity commandments, then we have to have a unity prayer. Period. Because our hope for accomplishing it is not us. I think, I think we, as the Church of Christ, have demonstrated a lot of good and beautiful things. We have taught a lot of great doctrine. We know our Bible so well, but one of the things that, we, that is in our sad history... Is a profound demonstration that you leave unity up to human beings and we will mess it up every time. You ain't have unity in an individual congregation, but you look across our brotherhood and it's a broken, sad story. It's a beautiful group of churches with a serious problem right here. And our whole goal was unity. This is what we were aiming for all along. Human unity efforts fail. And so we must pray. Unity doesn't come about until the love of God wells up within us. It's the only way we do it. So, this right here is in a sense a commandment in that it is an expression of the will of God. Remember that this is a a prayer that we give to God, but it's an inspired prayer. So it's also word of God. These are God's thoughts. And God is the one saying it is so beautiful when you all live together. It is Pleasant to me when you love one another. When you are unified in your purpose and your compassion and your care. When you care for one another and when you care for the world, I am happy with you. It is commandment, but you realize it's prayer. I mean, haven't we had problems with it? Being unified? Haven't there been times when you've looked down on somebody? When you've been mad or felt threatened or afraid? Wanted to run? Wanted to bail? And God is saying, it is so good. I love it so much. when Y'all are together. Please come together. Well, the only way we'll do it is if we are saying, please, God, draw us together. Help me to love because it is hard. There are people who are different from me. People say something mean to me, and it offers me challenge. How am I going to do it? And just to make sure that you understand that you are not going to pull this off on your own, the rest of the psalm focuses on that reality. What is unity like? Well, you'll remember that you just read, it's like precious oil poured on the head and running down into the beard and getting onto the collar. So you have a dry cleaning bill. What is is that about? Look, anointing is something that God ordained for someone to do to somebody else so that they could be prepared for His service. This is a picture of David being anointed because for some reason, artists don't like to do renditions of Aaron getting anointed. But same, same practice. Priests are anointed. Kings were anointed. The word Messiah means the anointed one. Jesus was anointed to be our king. He was anointed to be our priest. And so this oil poured on the head and running down into the beard. This is not something you do to yourself. Not if you want it to be the ritual that it is. I mean, you can pour oil on your head if you want. I mean, you can buy some nice olive oil, put some frankincense in it, and dump that on your head. But you won't be anointed. You'll be messy. Anointing is something done to you. And he says that unity is like an anointing. Something, when people are unified, it's because God is pouring out unity on us and it sets us apart for His service. It makes us prepared to be kings of the earth. Our love for one another makes us His priests to a dying world that needs love and compassion, but it is not something we accomplish, at least not on our own. It's something in which we participate it's something we receive, not something we achieve. Okay? And the reason I think that the churches of Christ have had such a problem with this is because we were trying to achieve it. And if you would just agree with me about everything, we'd be completely unified. But anytime you don't agree with me about something, well, I'll write you up in a paper. That's what happens to humans when we try to achieve what can only be given by God. It is an anointing, a baptism, a surrounding, a gift. But what about all those commandments in the Bible? Those are calls to participate in what you've been given by God. Use the tool you have received. But you can't make it be there. Only God can. It's why we pray for it. It's why we pray for it. Or that bit about the dew of Mount Hermon that's on the mountains of Zion. What's that about? Why do mountains get covered with dew? You know? And I don't mean mountain dew. That wasn't around (laughs) then. It's kind of gross. Anyway, mountains don't get dew covered because they go... Yeah. Is everybody else seeing spots? <laughs> That's not how they do it. Mountains get covered with dew because they're mountains. Mountains get covered with dew because of their nature. They exist within their nature, and the dew shows up. And what on earth would that mean for the people of God? Huh, I wonder. If we could live as the people of God, then we don't have to make unity our goal. It's our destination. It's not something we're going, okay, we're going to do this. It's something we show up at just because we're we're doing what we are. We're being what we are. Because if you live as Jesus Christ's disciple, I want you to think for a second about all of his teaching. Think about it. You know, don't hate. Don't get angry. Don't use others as fuel for your desire, as things to consume. Don't throw away relationships, but stay in them. Don't uh, manipulate people but be committed to telling the truth. Just say what is true all the time. Your yes is yes, your no is no. Don't retaliate. Don't seek to avenge yourself when you are mistreated, but respond to evil treatment with good treatment and love and pray for everyone, especially your enemy. Now, if you did that, how hard would other people find it to be unified with you? if you actually lived according to the nature of what you were intended to be, we would be unified, wouldn't we? Even though we would have disagreement. You realize that all of Jesus' teachings focus on the places where life is hard together. It's all about hard relationship. You don't have to teach you about how to do good relationship, easy relationship, because you're okay at that. But the places where it's hard, He teaches you, be like this, not like this. And if you do what Jesus teaches, then you'll do well and not good. You'll be a mountain. And the dew will show up. If you aim at unity, what you're going to have to do is control that other person to make them someone you can unify with. My puzzle piece looks like this and yours doesn't, so I need to cut a notch out of you so I can fit in and we can fit together. I'll edit you to make you fit me. Or maybe if you're a little more generous, I'll edit me to make me fit you or whatever. But if you actually become a Christian, living as Christ has called you to live, then you can fit even if the other person is really challenging. The dude just shows up. So we cannot generate unity by our efforts. Not alone. We can derail it, though. If we want to get in the way, we can do it. And so many of our efforts to control one another are doing just that. How easy is it to love somebody who says, Sit down, shut up, and do as I say. Think what I think, or you're not one of us. Anybody want to be a part of that cult? Either do I. Neither does Jesus. He called together zealots and tax collectors. Somehow they walk together in love despite being very different people. But if they wanted to, they could have gotten into political fights. But he still does it. He calls together Democrats and Republicans even in this culture and somehow we find unity in Christ. People who are so vastly different in so many ways can live together with Jesus Christ if they will be His disciples. But if we will not, or if we insist on being, we better lockstep this thing. Look, Jesus is not Hitler. He doesn't call for His armies to goose step. He calls for us to dance. He wants us to love one another. He did not say, by this will all men know that you are My disciples. You're all wearing exactly the same bow tie and saying the same stuff. No, it's by this will all men know you are mine. By the love that you have for one another. If you love each other. And if we love one another, maybe we'll do a better job of searching for truth. Do you think? If we can debate together and talk to one another. Well, boy, if we got to be unified, that's not safe. We've got to be unified on thought. Can't throw anything up into the air. It's all got to be... It's why our brotherhood sometimes just splinters. But the call of Jesus Christ is to love and compassion and to unity. And when we love one another, we value one another, and sometimes we hear different thoughts and go, huh, I wonder if that's true. And if together we find that it's false, you heal that other person. Or if if you find that it's true, you are healed. Or if you both find that you can't come to... Well, in all things liberty, in all things love. And we can be beautiful this is the great gift of God. So how do I participate in this? Well, first of all, I've got to come to terms with the fact that unity has got to be received. It's got to be a gracious gift from God or it won't exist. Period. If you've got to come to agreement, good luck. But if you can receive a gift from God, then you can love even those who are different. Even those who think differently than you do. Maybe even very differently than you do. And you can keep loving even if they mistreat you. And that's the second part. Unity grows up when we seek to be what we are, Christians. Christians follow Christ. They listen to Jesus' teaching. And so that's how we find unity. So if I want to participate in this, I need to pray that God will pour out the gift on the church. And I need to seek the Spirit's help as I live as Jesus has taught me to live. I'll do that, then in as much as it is up to me, we'll live in harmony together. We'll live in unity. I'm not going to try and make you live with me in harmony. That, I think, would be a mistake. But you're welcome. And I think I am, too, in your life, right? And they are in yours, and they are in There, Let's receive the gift of God. So are you participating in it? Let me just remind you of how we started in prayer today. You started out, your heart's unified with another heart. Caring and loving someone who has undergone a loss that no one should experience. That's the unity that God gives. He knits us together into one. And isn't it good? Isn't it beautiful? How good and pleasant it is. When brothers live together in unity. If you are looking at yourself and going, well, man, I am a problem here. I'm derailing the whole thing. Well, hear the call of God. Cut that out. Start loving each other. You can do that. By the grace and the might of God, you can do that. It may be that you came to this place bearing burdens and pains that nothing I've talked about has had anything to do with them, but they're heavy on you. Well, then we want to help lift them. And if we need to pray for you, let us know. And if you're not a Christian, there is no better way of life than following Christ Jesus our Lord, period. We'd love to talk with you about beginning your walk with Him. If you're subject this morning to the invitation of Jesus, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing.